uh, continuing our, our broad subject of understanding spiritual warfare, but a subheading. We've been talking for a couple of weeks about Satan's activities. And again, we're not uh, doing this to get starry-eyed, become mystics, and we're, we're not looking for a devil behind every bush and in uh, every corner of the house. We're not going looking for this kind of stuff. You'll, you know, if you're trying to live for God, you're going to deal with opposition from the adversary enough without having to go and look for these things. Amen. So while we're not looking for them, we need to be aware and we must be aware that we do have an adversary and that adversary is after every one of us. Amen. He wants to destroy and um, he will oppose the church at every turn and every quarter that is possible. So we have talked in the past of how he works in active opposition to the gospel. Uh, we've looked at some of his uh, tactics such as distractions <clears throat> and um, how he will distract uh, the thinking of God's people. Uh, we have also looked at uh, the... Uh, as Satan being in some cases, but not always, a source of sickness. And we certainly cannot get caught up in the idea that just because I'm sick, I'm under a satanic attack. Uh, however, he can use sickness when he's allowed. Uh, we talked about... Uh, when allowed, Satan can inf inflict death. Uh, but he, if he's not allowed, then uh, he is able to provoke a paralyzing fear of death. And uh, can be a very, very effective tool of the, the enemy. Now, coming down this evening, we'll talk about two subheadings here and and uh, after tonight we may conclude this series for you know for a while uh, sometimes it's maybe not the best thing in the world to uh, to focus on one subject for uh, a long period of time but uh, but it's not something that we need to get away from and stay away uh, either because you you are in a battle, you are in a fight, you are in conflict, and so we're going to look at another uh, tool of the adversary, and and that is how he is able to uh, induce sinful plans and purposes in the minds of of people. So. Satan can plant sinful plans and purposes in the minds of men. 
And it is helpful to remember that one cannot prevent thoughts from entering the mind, but one can determine the length of time that any one thought remains in the mind. Now try try as you may, you can't stop thoughts from entering the mind. And... um, Uh, But again, it is entirely up to you how long that thought remains there. And we'll see in just a little bit uh, what to do with with those those negative or sinful thoughts that that come into the mind. I've had people, you know, tell me that they... They believe it, it is a sin for sinful thoughts to, to come into your mind. And I, I, I don't see where, you know, where that you know, is, uh, is scriptural, uh, especially due to the fact that you don't control what comes into the mind. And so, but Satan is able to influence the mind and the thinking of people, even people that have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, one of the first indications that we see in the early church of this at play is in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And specifically in verse number three. The context is that, you know, this is not too long after the baptism of the Holy Ghost had been given on the day of Pentecost and there was tremendous revival uh, in and around Jerusalem and, and uh, God was doing a lot of things. He, people were filled with the Holy Ghost and the church was active and God moved on, on people in that fledgling church and they begin to sell properties and sell possessions and and bring the proceeds to uh, the apostles for uh, the distribution uh, of those funds to those who were needy in the church and so uh, if memory serves me correctly Barnabas was probably the first one that did this but then when Ananias and and Sapphira saw what was being done then they sold a piece of land and they covenanted between themselves of what they would tell uh, the apostles when they they brought the the uh, the proceeds you know into the church and they they lied about it you know that through the word, and and but but when that happened, then Peter said to Ananias, he said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart? Look, look at that closely. He identified Satan specifically in filling the heart or the mind of Ananias. To lie to what Peter said is the Holy Ghost. Now, 
Peter is telling Ananias, you're, in, in effect, you're, you're lying. Satan has filled your mind to lie, but you're not lying to me. You are lying to the Holy Ghost. And he said, again, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? One writer said it like this concerning this passage of of Scripture. He said, it is instructive to observe that in this case, it is not through some act of terrible depravity, but through an act of religious devotion that Satan brings about the downfall of Ananias and Sapphira. It is sobering to think, he said, that the very good that God's people attempt to do can be their undoing. And so the, the writer is, is saying, you know, again, it, it, you know, they, they weren't lying about, uh, you know, some terrible act of depravity. You know, they, he, they weren't talking about, you know, committing adultery or fornication or, you know, smoking weed or whatever the case is. It, it, was, in, it was in an act of devotion that Satan was able to penetrate the mind of Ananias and Sapphira so that they both came in separately, but they both came in and lied to the Holy Ghost about the purchase price of the land. So again, we see the, the, uh, the influence of Satan in, in filling the mind of Ananias to lie to the Holy Ghost. Now in John chapter 13 and 12, this is the last Supper, I believe, the scene of the Last Supper. And, and John writes and says, And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So again, we have another biblical example here of, of the, the ability of Satan to influence the minds of people. Now, while I, I will admit, I don't know that there is a, a lot known about Ananias and Sapphira, their relationship with, with God, uh, but when it comes to Judas Iscariot, then here is a man that, uh, that was called by the Lord. Now I understand that Jesus in, in one place in talking about calling these disciples, He said, I've, you know, I've called you know, these, but one of you is a devil. You know, and, and, uh, and He was referring to, to Judas. But according to the way that, that John records it, uh, it, it wasn't until, uh, maybe until the supper was ended that, 
that Satan began his most powerful influence on the thinking of Judas and the influence was to betray the Lord. You just go betray him and you know the story of of what Judas did and how this, this transpired in the next little while. You know, there. And so, uh, so th- but the wise man had something to say concerning one's responsibility in guarding the mind. Because in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23, Solomon says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Somebody say, keep your heart. He's talking about your mind. Keep your heart with all diligence. What Solomon is saying here in so many words is that you, you need to pay particular attention to what is happening in the thought processes of your mind. Because Satan has the ability to influence those thought processes. And so Solomon is saying to keep. One rendering or one definition of that word keep is to guard. To guard. When you guard something, you you pay particular attention to whatever it is that you're guarding. You know, it's... Uh, well, I say you do. Our our son uh, is, is a drives a truck for uh, a delivery distribution uh, center, and he he delivers goods to uh, convenience stores, you know, and stuff. And and uh, you know, in in working, uh, part of his route is uh, is Memphis, uh, Tennessee, and. Um, I've heard some pretty wild stories about Memphis. And they've, they've had people robbed. They've had trucks robbed while they were in the, the store, you know, doing, you know, whatever it is to complete their, their deliveries. And, and so the, the company uh, hires guards then for those, those trucks. And when they're running that route, then there's a guard that goes with them from from place to place until until the day is over. And so he was in a store uh, one day making deliveries, and the guard was sitting in a in a car right beside the truck. And he he after the incident, he he sent me a video, you know, of it, and and. Uh, he he came out of the the store from doing his job and was going to get in his truck and 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 his truck had been robbed you know and and the guard sitting right next to the truck the guy walked right beside you know the the guard's car and was looking around and walked in the store just long enough to I guess to see that our, our son was involved in doing his job and he walks right back out, walks right by the guard's car again to the other side of the truck and, and reaches in there and, and steals his backpack, which had his, 
his clothes in it and had his laptop computer in it and you know and, and had his uh his his firearm you know in there all gone in just a instant and he comes out and 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 finds that you know his stuff is is, is no longer in the truck and he goes to the car where the guard is and asks the guard what what's up Guard says, I don't know. I mean, what are you talking about? He said, my truck's been robbed and, and you're, you're sitting right here and you, you didn't do anything. The guard was like, well, I, I didn't see anything. You know, the bottom line was the guard wasn't doing what, what Solomon said that we are to do to the mind. When you, when you guard something, you pay particular attention to whatever it is that you're guarding. And in this case, Solomon understands that, that the mind plays such a role in the, the affairs of your life every day that he says for you to guard your mind with all diligence. The reason is because out of it are the issues of life. So Solomon is, is helping us here to understand that whatever is in your mind is going to play out in, in your life. I, I've talked to people about the importance of, of guarding their mind because it seems like the mind in, in Pentecost, the, the mind is, is one of the uh, parts of, of our being that gets the least attention. You know, we, we talk about our, our spirit. God, God wants to save my soul. And, 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 that's the, and we say that's the primary thing that God is interested in. And while I understand and I do believe that it is more important for a man or woman to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ than it is for healing in their physical body. But God is a healer as much as He is a Redeemer. And, and if God will redeem my spirit, God will heal my mind. Amen. He'll heal my mind just as much as He will heal my body if, if I will allow. But I've, I've had people, you know, kind of want to, you know, throw up a defense when you talk about the mind and what goes on and what they allow in, in the mind. And I've, I've tried to help people to understand, you know, the, the fact that Whatever is in your mind is going to be manifested sooner or later. If there's something there that, that the adversary of your spirit or your soul has influenced you to think. You know, if, if it's some action that is contrary to the will of God or the word of God. And you don't deal with that thought process and you, you, you let that grow. You let it germinate. You let it begin to grow in your mind sooner or later. That, that deed is going to be manifested. That's why Solomon said, out of your mind are the issues of life. Whatever you do is what's in your mind to do. And he said, because of that, you have got to... Guard your mind. You've got to pay attention to your mind. Amen. Paul had the same idea 
when he addressed the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And let's look at that because Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen to this in verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I, I want you to look at this for just a moment. Specifically, verse number 5. Casting down imaginations. An imagination is an image in your mind. It could be a mental picture that is in your mind. And Paul said that there are images, there are imaginations of the mind that has to be cast down. And that word cast is, is somewhat of a violent term. It's not something that, you know, that when you read the word cast, that it, it's something that you just kind of fluff off a little bit or, or you just try to put some space between, between yourself and, and that imagination. But Paul said, you're to cast it down. That is, you violently expel that imagination from your mind. But he didn't limit it to imaginations. He also said that this includes every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if there is something that has been placed in your mind, in your thought processes, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, then Paul said... That is also to be cast down. To be violently expelled out of the mind. So what could Paul be talking about in this particular passage? He could be talking about anything. Anything that exalts itself above what God knows. The, the knowledge. What is above the knowledge of God. Amen. If there's something in your mind that tells you that uh, maybe you have a sickness in your body, if there's something in your mind that tells you that God cannot heal, that is something that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and, and Paul said, you, you violently expel that because God is a healer. Amen. And God will heal. And if there's something in your mind that, that tells anybody, I probably cannot be saved because of my past or my lifestyle or, or whatever that case, that, that is something, those are things that have to be violently expelled out of the mind because God can save to the uttermost. There's not a sinner so vile that God cannot save and God will not save 
if they come to Him in repentance. It doesn't matter. And bringing into captivity. Now notice this. You bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now I want you to notice. I mean, we sometimes we read this and we read these types of things in the Word of God and, and it enters into our mind. I, and I know it does because sometimes we act in, in, what I'm, uh, uh, in, in a manner uh, that I'm about to describe. We, we act in a manner that I don't have control you know, over the issues of, of my mind. I haven't said, I already stated, you can't control what comes there. You can control what stays there. And Paul said you have to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whatever is obedient to Christ concerning your thought processes, you've got to bring into captivity that thought into the obedience of Christ. So when you perform the actions of verse number 5, you're doing two things. Number one, you, are, you take away one of Satan's primary battlegrounds in spiritual warfare. Because in, in talking about spiritual warfare in the past, we have established the fact that if Satan is allowed to choose the battleground, He's going to choose the battleground of your mind every time. Every time. If He can influence your, your thinking away from the knowledge of God. If He can influence your thinking away from faith and the power and the ability of God to do anything that needs to be done in your life. He will choose the battleground of the mind every time if He's allowed. So again, when you perform the actions of verse 5, you take away one of Satan's primary battlegrounds in spiritual warfare. And then secondly, you are more able to live without mental and emotional torment from the enemy. Now before we move on, I just want to, I just want to announce that there are far too many people of God who are living under mental and emotional torment from the enemy. He plagues their mind and they think they can't do anything about it. Remember when we talked about the paralyzing fear of death? That, that is mental and emotional torment. Listen, if you want to put it in, in common layman's terms, what the adversary does when he, when he lives in your mind rent-free, he is actually causing or performing mental and emotional abuse on you. Now, there are laws in the country that if you have children in your home and 
and you mentally and emotionally abuse them, that's a crime. Those children can be taken out of your home and placed in a different environment because the, the, the law and, and, and children's psychologists you know, understand that, that that is a form of abuse. Abuse is not always physical abuse, nor is it always sexual abuse. But, but there is mental and emotional abuse of people. And when, when the enemy, when the enemy is controlling your mind and he's dictating how you feel and your emotions and the way you think about things, then, then, then he, is, he is perpetrating emotional and mental abuse on you. And if you will obey and do what, what Paul told the Corinthians to do in verse number 5, then you're going to be able to live without the mental and the emotional torment of the enemy. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is not going to put mental and emotional torment upon His people. The Bible talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen. That no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening in this world, no matter what's happening in your body, there can be a peace that comes from God that supersedes anything that the adversary can perpetuate on you. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to live in doubt. He wants you to lose confidence in the God that you serve. He wants you beat down. He wants you oppressed. He wants you depressed. Amen? Because if He can oppress you and He can depress you and you do nothing about it, He can, in, in essence, render you totally and completely ineffective in the kingdom of God. Because you're not focused and your mindset does not track on the kingdom and how can I expand the kingdom and you know how can I help somebody? How can I witness to somebody? How can I pray with somebody? How can, how can I be the voice of God you know, to somebody that, that needs to hear a word from God? How, how can I be better able to allow the power of God to work through me in, in, in a, in, to affect the life and the situation of somebody that needs that kind of touch or word or prayer or whatever the case may be. But if you're oppressed and you're depressed and the devil plays in your mind mentally and emotionally, you, you don't think about how I can affect the kingdom of God. You're all the time thinking about how this is affecting me. I heard one man say, in fact, he's our district superintendent. Made the statement several years ago talking about the depression of God's people. He said, you know, when people get depressed, their thoughts have always turned inward. It's never outward. They're always thinking about themselves. Thinking about their circumstance. Thinking about their life. Why don't my kids do so and so? Why don't my husband do so and so? Or my wife do, do whatever? You know, they're all the time focused. They're focused on what affects them 
physically, mentally, and emotionally. Their thoughts are never running to trying to help other people. And, and he said in the course of that teaching, if you, if you feel depressed, what you need to do is you need to get up off the couch and you need to get out of the house and you need to find somebody to go help do something. What, what is he saying? You, you need to get your mind off of, off of the bubble of your own little existence. Realize that there is a world full of people out there who are worse off than any of us could ever think to be. Turn our attention on being the hands and the feet and the voice of God to those, to those kinds of people. And it, it would help your mind and emotions tremendously. Amen? Primary battleground of Satan is not my physical body. It's not my circumstances of life. It's my mind. And the wise man said, guard your mind. Because whatever is there is how you're going to act. If you're beat down mentally and emotionally, you're going to act beat down in your physical body. That's why you need to guard it. Because I'm going to tell you something. The, the shape that this world is in right now, they don't need to see a beat down child of God. The world is already beat down. People don't know how, you know, that, what they're going to do with, you know, with gas prices, you know, on the, on the increase. Well, actually... You know, they've been on the decrease a little bit. You know, somebody in the, in the government tried to make, you know, the, the most, you know, out of a, of a, of a photo opportunity and, say, and saying, wow, look how good it is. Gas prices is down below $4 a gallon in most parts of the country. But somebody turned right around and said, you know, you think that's okay? The way I look at it is gas prices are still $2.10 a gallon too high. How are we going to deal with that? What are we going to do? Food prices on the increase. I, I read just this week, you know, ca cattle producers. You know, they're having some, some cattle producers are already having to sell off entire herds. Because they can't buy hay. They, they can't, uh, they're, they're having to truck hay in and, and, and it's cost prohibitive. You know, one cattle producer said, there's no hay around here. And if I truck hay in, it is going to cost me in anywhere from, from $5.35 to $6.85 per loaded mile to truck hay in. And he said, I can't afford that. So I don't have a choice but to sell off the, the entire herd. And even cattle producers are saying because of of distribution and all of this kind of stuff and uh, you know that that beef prices are, are going to going to rise dramatically. How, how do we deal with that? You know we can we, we can spend our time focused on that kind of stuff. And and when we do our mind never tracks toward the expansion of the kingdom of God. I I don't know how High gas prices are going to go. I don't know how high food prices are going to go any more than anybody else. 
I don't know about the shortage of food that they're talking about. I don't know what's going to happen with all of that. But I do know this. That, that we serve a God that His Word said that He will supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Brother Thomas, if God has made me that promise, why should I spend my time worrying about the escalating prices when, when God said that my primary focus is on the expansion of the kingdom in this world anyway? And if we get caught up with that stuff and, our, and we become di distracted and, and, and we, we don't think about the kingdom of God, we think about how we're going to pay for a dozen eggs or a block of cheese, a gallon of milk. When God said He'd supply. Listen, gas prices have been $4 a gallon before and God supplied and at, at their peak, I, I've been traveling, and, and at, their, at, at the peak height of the gas prices per gallon, I promise you it didn't slow people down. Interstate systems are backed up. I don't know how, you know, somebody said, well, I wonder how they're paying for it. Maybe they're maxing out credit cards to go on vacation. I don't know. Only thing I'm saying is, if, if they're not too worried about it, why should the church be? But see, Satan will plague our minds and get us distracted and bogged down with all of that stuff. And when, when we start focusing on that and not the kingdom of God, then He has rendered us totally ineffective in this world. When I always thought there was supposed to be a difference between the unredeemed and the redeemed. Not, not just in, in holy living. Not just the fact that, that, that the redeemed have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. But I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I had it all wrong all of these years. But, but I, I, I thought that if we, if we have the Holy Ghost, then God intended us for, for us to walk by faith and not by sight. See, there's a lot of people out there walking by sight. By what they see. But he said we are to walk by faith. Faith tells me God is gonna, God's going to undertake for us. Faith tells me that if I need a gallon of gas, I'm going to have a gallon of gas. Faith tells me that if I need food on my table, somehow food's going to be there. But see, the old adversary is very, very effective. In causing us to think about things to the degree that we become emotionally and mentally oppressed and depressed. He's good at that. He's good at that. He don't care if you come to church every day of the year. He ain't, he's not so much trying to keep you out of church. That if you can come to church distracted, or you can come to the house of God oppressed and, and depressed, and it affects your worship, it affects your praise, it affects your outlook, it, it affects what you do for and in the kingdom of God, then He's accomplished His task. He don't need for you to backslide for His will to be accomplished in you. 
just torment you mentally and emotionally to the degree that we don't we don't focus on what Solomon and Paul said for us to focus on and how to deal with these issues when they arise in our minds. Amen. 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 So he will he will influence influence you with with evil plans or sinful plans and purposes. You say, well, how is you know the the effect of my mind? You know how how is that sinful? The Bible says, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. If it didn't have it did, if it doesn't have to do with faith, the Bible says it's sin. Whatsoever is not of faith. It is sin, and I'm telling you, worry it has nothing to do with faith. In fact, it is impossible for you to worry and have faith at the same time. Amen? Hey, I'm, I'm talking about an experience with God that's real. You know, and here, here's the thing, and I've, I've been thinking about this, you know, this week as well, and I'm, I'm going to have to close because my time is gone, but I've been thinking about this as well. Any, any belief that you have that is untested or is unproven in reality is nothing but theory. Any belief or any philosophy that one could have that is untested in reality is nothing but theory. And there are people in the, in the body of Christ that theoretically have faith. <laughs> because when, when, when God allows a trial to, to test their, their faith, they want to run from that. It's kind of like I was talking to somebody, you know, it's like spiritual warfare sometimes is kind of like the old ostrich with his head in the sand. If he can just keep his head stuck in the sand and, and not see. In other words, if they don't, it, if the ostrich doesn't see it, it doesn't exist. That's the way a lot of people are in their relationship with God, spiritual warfare. If I can hide my head in the sand, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Or if I don't have my head in the sand, if I don't acknowledge spiritual warfare, it doesn't exist. It, it'll go away. It, it'll leave me alone. Untested faith is nothing more than a theory. If you believe that God will heal, but you don't allow Him to heal you, then your belief in, in the healing power of Jesus Christ is nothing more than a theory. You don't know whether he'll heal or not because you don't allow him to heal. Your questions, your, your doubt, your fears will prevent the activity of God in your life. I'm going to tell you right now, and, 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 we, and we're going home. This world doesn't need a, a bunch of, of, of people that call themselves people of God and redeem people of God who's living according to a bunch of theories. 
We, we don't allow, we, we hide from trials and we, and, and we don't acknowledge, you know, when things, and we, and we sit and worry about what if this happens and what if that happens. And instead of walking by faith, we walk by fear and doubt. That makes our faith that we say that we have a theory. Because we, we haven't tested it. We haven't, we haven't tried. We haven't tried to walk by faith. And so in essence, it's nothing but a theory. We need to have real experience with the God that we serve. Because I'm telling you, there's power in the Holy Ghost. Not only will that power redeem you, but that power will give you peace of mind. That power will heal your mind. It will heal your spirit. It will heal your body. It will give you power to go through, to navigate the issues of life that we deal with on a daily basis. Amen. Amen. Our God's in control. Amen. He's in control. And here's the thing. He has given you every tool necessary. To be victorious and an overcomer every day of your life. Amen. He's given it to you. It's incumbent upon you to use it. To utilize it. To learn how to use it. Amen. I, I've seen people, you know, pray that, you know, God would, God would exercise His power through them to help other people. They just don't know how to do that. They don't know how to utilize that. I won't tell you how to find out how to do it. You, you pray. And you get on your knees and get on your face before God and you ask God to help you to understand, help you to be knowledgeable and have the wisdom to understand how to utilize what He has placed in you to help other people. But you're not going to do that when, when you're depressed and oppressed and depressed and in a mental and spiritual fog. And so we, we use social media as an uplifter of our spirit to see what everybody else it is doing. And then we walk around in circles wondering, you know, why, why am I the way I am? Why is my life like it is? Why is my, my experience with God you know, why does it never progress? Why am I not effective in the kingdom of God? Why is it that God is not doing anything through me? Amen. If we're, if we're not careful, these tactics of the enemy that we have been talking about, he, he can use those in individuals and he can totally and completely paralyze an entire local congregation. But that's not the will of God. Amen. Amen. If God is for me, who can be against me? Right. Amen. Let's stand.